0: <laughs> all right, we're going to read from, I'm going to read from uh, Job 22, Job chapter 22, and, and uh, very interesting, again, this morning, all I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to share the counsel of God's Word that he gave to me personally for my life. And so in, in Job 22, here we are, and we've talked about Job before in the past, And when we understand the book of Job, just think about everything that this this man went through. And there are many who believe, and I believe it, through a preponderance of study. Everything that he went through was about nine months. A little more, maybe a little less, about nine months, every single thing that he went through. And we know that in the first chapter of Job, that God instigated this whole thing. Because we also see that You know, by the time you read Job 1 and verse 6, you see that uh, the angels, and we said this recently because the Word of God said it, (laughs) uh, that the angels that are in God's service would do what they would do as far as the plan that God had for them to do. In other words, these angels, they never functioned on their own. Never, they never functioned or did a thing on their own. You can see that in Isaiah the sixth chapter, in those first three verses, they never funk. They never did a single thing. They are they are unfallen. They are created in the most unbelievable beauty that we could even imagine. To the point where men like men of God like Daniel and even the beloved Apostle John. By the time you read uh, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelations. To the point where they were so beautiful, they would fall down and start to worship them. And of course, they would tell them, Please get up. You read that in Revelation, the first chapter. Yeah, in, in those first few verses there, I think it's around between uh, 10 and, and 14, right around in there. He would say, Just get up. I'm just a servant like you. So these angels would go in to get their orders. And we know in Psalm 104, verse 4, and and uh, we know in, in many, many scriptures, for instance, in, in uh, Hebrews 13 and verse two, that angels can take on human form. But again, they would, these angels in Job one, verse six, they'd go in to the presence of God and they would receive their orders. And then, we, and then it says right there, and then it says, where it says the sons of God there in, in Job one and verse six, the sons of God we know in the old covenant were all angels, they, we weren't sons of God till till Christ was crucified, rose, and sent the Holy Spirit down in John 14 verses 16 and 17 and in Acts the second chapter, he began to form the body of Christ. And that's when, when those that would receive him as their savior became the sons of God, sons and daughters of God, and that's based upon Galatians four and verses six and seven and Romans 8, uh, verse 15. They'd go in and get their orders, and then it says, and Satan also came with him. And that's when God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? My righteous servant, notice that? Now the righteousness that that Job was functioning in was the righteousness that became him his as a result of his sacrifice and recognizing it, and all the old covenant saints, all of their faith in Christ who hadn't come yet but was revealed in all those sacrificial types, his faith went forward. And thus God considered him based upon the righteousness that Christ would come and fulfill and that's why all the Old Testament saints, they look forward to the cross, and that's why as we, as the church, we look back, we all meet at the cross. And that's why the Lamb of God and the eternal mind of God would never be separated from the cross. So for all eternity, and the marks of the cross, in terms of on the Lamb that, that Christ is, and we see that in Revelations 5 and verse 6, it says, and they, they beheld the Lamb, He was freshly slain. And they saw the results of that cross that nailed his feet and his hands, wrists really, uh, to that cross with also, in John 19 and verse 34, the piercing in his side, where blood and water came out, salvation through his blood, and that's uh, 1 John 1 verse 7. That gives us this, the fellowship, the purity of the fellowship of the water that cleanses us in John 13, and we can see that in verses 4 through 10. These angels would go in, and then Satan came, and that's when God instigated and said, have you considered my servant Job? Now the whole thing with Job was, and what we see in that first chapter is, is that Job, and he was still righteous in this sense, towards his children. He would, he would get up and every morning, and notice that it was in the morning. Morning. All through the scriptures. And for instance, in Proverbs 8 verse 17, it says, I love them that love me and those that seek me early will find me. Remember in the type when the manna would come down, the manna would come down from heaven. In Exodus the 16th chapter, and it was early in the morning. Early in the morning. The best time before our big toe hits the floor when we get out of bed is literally is to see him, meet him because he's right there in Isaiah 30 verse 18 waiting to what? Be gracious. And we're going to see who he gives this grace to and we're going to see where all the source of our struggles and problems are. All of these issues. But then again, they would get up early in the morning. Now, again Satan comes right in and first thing early first thing even before the other angels get their instructions he instigates this whole thing because Job would get up and offer sacrifices for his children we've said this because we've been taught this in the scriptures that Job in forgetting himself because he was one with his wife would forget her but he would offer sacrifices for the children. Boy, you see a lot of that today. It's all about the children, but husband forgets himself, and, and in doing so, forgets his wife. The order becomes reversed. Now it's the children. Everything is for the children. All our sports activities, all of these things, it all becomes about the children, see? And that's not God's order, by the way. That's why even in the scriptures, there's no such thing as Sunday school. No such thing at all. I understand that through the scriptures in Second in, in Timothy, in 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy and Titus, that women are, are the ones that teach the children in the home. They, they, they teach them there. Because the, children will learn far more in the home by the conduct of them my father and mother, even far more than what the parents say. It's the conduct that teaches. See, and grace, grace reveals the fact that I am ready to receive and to function in the character, in the character that's mine in Christ. The whole test for Job was that he, by the time we see in Job 32, 1 and 2, In forgetting himself and forgetting his wife, and no wonder his wife said in Job 2 verse 9, you know Job, see everything that's happened to you, curse God and die. You know, when we forget God, what do we wanna do? We function in the flesh, the unsaved and, 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 and of course, they're still functioning under the prince and power of the air, just like a Christian would, still in the flesh. And what do we do? We curse God. In other words, we blaspheme and blame God for everything. And again, that word blaspheme literally means to blame God, to make him guilty of evil, to blame him <laughs> for everything. Why don't you do this? Do you ever counsel God with doubt? Because that's the only way we counsel him with doubt and fear and pride. Why this? Why that? Why this? You know, after, <laughs> after he has saved us crucified the old in Romans 6, 1 through 6, paid for all of our sins in Psalm 103 in verse 12, given us his precious son in, in John 1, 16 and 17, because he put on that humanity in the 14th verse in that chapter. He's given us his son and then given, given us everything that his, his son has accomplished for us. But of course that substitution and reconciliation was based upon the fact that he first propitiated his father on the cross in Genesis 22 and verse 8 in the type. Did all of that and with these trials that sometimes we think we get so shocked by them in 1 Peter 4.12, like this fiery trial, trial, this fiery pain is some kind of thing that shouldn't be common to us. Well, the unsaved even have that. They just don't have Christ like we do. They just don't. Well, Job forgot himself, and he forgot his wife. He focused on his children because the reality is that in forgetting God, we function, and this is the same with us now, in Romans 8, verse 9, we have the flesh, it's still in us, but we're not of it. We are of Christ. When I forget God, When I do, I live in self-righteousness. And when I live in self-righteousness, that's my experience in the flesh, what do I do? I justify myself and not God. Now justification, we realize, is the fact that Christ, through what he's accomplished on Calvary, propitiating the Father, everything he did was to the Father, and then once the Father... through the Son, was satisfied. He could function for us. We can see that clear as a substitute, thereby reconciling us. And so with all of that, all of that being done, gosh, it's such a miracle. Such a miracle. Just like I thank those this morning, and I'm thankful with you for those that would get up early and come and hear the word of God. I'm so thankful for that, and I do mean that too. And I know there's reasons why certain people can't, and there's no guilt and condemnation. But when I live in the flesh as a believer in Christ, I'm in Christ. I'm not in the flesh. I am of Him because I'm in Him. In Ephesians, the first chapter, in those 23 beautiful verses, when I forget Him, I function in self righteousness and the the basis and form and function of self-righteousness is always justifying self, making God guilty and not myself. Making God have to be accountable to me and my desires, my lust, lustful, fleshly desires, making him to be subject to me. we am going to talk about reversing the order. It's unbelievable. And yet God still is waiting to be gracious to us because he only sees us in Christ. And it's even, even we have said this before in Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, and in Hebrews chapter 12, verses four, right through to the 29th verse, you can even Hebrews 12, one through 29, we see it's loving chastisement. Even when I live in the flesh, he's not against who I am, in Christ, but he certainly is against and will always be against the flesh. Well that's what Job was functioning in. So when we function in self-righteousness like Job was doing, we justify ourselves, meaning we we excuse every guilt and everything under the sun. We excuse it. We excuse it. But Jesus said In John 15 and verse 22, he said that when I came, when Christ, when I came, I did away with all cloaks and a cloak is an excuse. God has, through Christ, has done away with every single excuse. We have no, especially Christians, we have no excuse to blame God for anything, to make him guilty, to blaspheme him. God help us. And so Job here, right in the middle of his trial, what was God doing the whole time? He was using Satan. And remember, Satan, he does use him to discipline us. There's no question about it. He'll use what the enemy means for evil to be for our good in Genesis 50 and verse 20. That's why it says in Romans 8 and verse 28, all things work together for the good. Notice what it says to them that love God. And that speaks of obedience and submission of the will so that the good that's only in Christ in in Matthew 19 and verse 17 and 18 and in Luke 18 and verse 19, the only good based upon Exodus 34 and verse 6 is in God himself. All things work together for God's divine good. For God's divine good. His divine good to them that love him and to the called, the called, that's who we are, the called, those that are in Christ, those are the only ones, according to his purpose. And God is free to bring into our experience what the position that Christ has positioned us in can work into our experience. But here's Job in the middle of his trial We see in Job 22, in Job 22 and verse 29. And this is what God was counseling me. He said, add the source of all your irritation, the source of all your unbelief, the source of all your doubt, the the source of all your suspicion. All of that's in the flesh and it's not who we are. When God deals with us, he deals with us based upon who we are in Christ, he wouldn't even be dealing with us. That's why Jesus said, even in his high priestly prayer, being one with the Father, remember, I and the Father are one in John 10, verse 30. And that's why he said in 17 and verse 9 of John, I pray not for the world. I pray for them, but not for the world. I don't pray for them, of course. But I pray for the world. They're the called. And he works in, the purpose, the finishedness of his purpose into our experience when we're humble. It's the only time he does it. Here's Job 22 and verse 29. It says, when men are cast down, then you, God himself will say, there is lifting up. That's what it says in 1 Peter 5 and verse five. This is the true verse, by the way. You younger, submit yourself to the elder. In the function of the local assembly, in this dispensation of grace, the church age, in the function of that local assembly, young, the you younger, submit yourself to the elder. Be clothed with humility. You know when, when I'm clothed with humility, you know what? God will give me the grace to clothe myself with humility to keep out the cloak of the excuses in John 15 and verse 22. That means keeping Christ out of the experience. When I am clothed with the flesh, and we need, that's what Ephesians 4, 20 through 24 is teaching us. Put off the old and put on the new. Get covered with the right clothing. Put on, in your experience, the reality of your position. Do you remember when... They heard the voice of God walking in the garden in Genesis 3 and verse 8 and then they hid themselves in the trees because even though they covered themselves with fig leaves, they still still saw themselves in the presence of the pre-incarnate Christ. What? He said, we are naked, we hid ourselves. You see that in Genesis 3, 8 to 12. Then he said, who told you you were naked? The voice said, who told you? you were naked. Who told you that Christ wasn't sufficient? Who told you that Christ wasn't your all? Who told you that in your experience? Did a lie begin to be lodged in your experience? Well, why, when men are cast down, then you will say there is lifting up. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself. Be humble is what it says in the original. We shared that through the scriptures the other day. It doesn't say humble us. it says be humbled. Be humbled under the mighty hand of God. Who's the mighty hand of God? Isaiah 59, one, is his hand shortened, his arm shortened, that he can't do anything? No, but your sins have separated you. In verse two of Isaiah 59, from him in your experience, Why then are men cast out? Well, there's lifting up. Humble yourself in 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. Who exalts us? And what is the exaltation based upon? The fact that our source is Christ in us. We wouldn't be lifted up if Christ wasn't in us, if he wasn't the treasure in that fragile clay jar in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. There is lifting up. And listen to what it says. And he will save the humble person. Notice that? He will deliver. Now, we've already been saved. We've already been born again in John 3, 3 through 5. We've already been born again. We've been placed in Christ. We've been placed in him in those first two chapters, resulting in the third chapter of Ephesians, the epistle to Ephesians. That's what has happened with us. And so what do we see there? we see that he will deliver experientially the person that, has, he, that he has humbled. In the Hebrew, you know what this says? It literally says, and sometimes you can see some of the Hebrew in certain margins of certain translations, it says, him that has low eyes. Low eyes. He has low eyes. He's been humbled. He's been humbled. Notice that? We don't have to pretend. We don't have to pretend. To be loved, we are love, but in our experience, if it's pride, are we? Is that our experience? No, we see it in, in in Romans 12 and verse 16. We see it. We see it there. He that has low eyes, notice that. And then we see here, all through this, you know, we see that uh, you know in pride. And when we function in pride, what is pride? Pride's the listen. This is what pride is. It's an unsubmitted will. Now, for a Christian living in the flesh, it's living in the experience again of an unsubmitted will. And what is the source of pride? It's the power of evil. And and we shared with Mike the other day. Some, and some beautiful truths about the power of reckoning and the, pro, the power of a proper confession. And both, both those things have to do with being us, us being positioned in Christ. And when I submit to him, I function experientially in those two powers. The power that Christ is, he's the power in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, and then we're kept. See, we're born again, but we can't even keep ourselves in a proper experience. In the proper uh, state, unless I function properly in that standing. That's why in 1 Peter 1 and verse 5, Christ, the, we are kept by the power of God, and that's Christ. Otherwise, when we function in the flesh through pride, that we're kept by the power of evil, and that brings in the fact that that will that's in us, has not yet in our experience been submitted to Christ, that brings out 2 Timothy 2 and verse 26. Listen, this is what, again, I'm gonna say it again, this is what makes, listen, that the local assembly, (laughs) I wish we could understand this, this is what makes a particular local assembly the place where we should function and have all of our plans. We don't make plans and then see if they're okay with the local assembly in its order. I I don't understand that kind. I just don't. Why not in your plans, whatever they are, include the rest of the whole local assembly? Or at least if God's called you to that local assembly just to see, just to see if God's going to involve the whole local assembly in the thing that you plan to do. Why not get the support of the, the benefit of the whole? Why not? Why would you not do that? And I think sometimes we just, through ignorance, and just through sometimes, and we're all weak and, f- and frail, we forget. We forget. And we do. We make our own plans. And I, I'm not even saying maybe those plans aren't on, on pride or rebellion, but it could still be ignorance it could still be ignorance well here is proverbs 15 but but here's proverbs 15 and i'll read this in verse 33 proverbs 15 33 it says the fear of the lord and the fear here is reverence and awe it's not the fear of the flesh it's not the fear that God would never give us in 2 Timothy 1, 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear. He has brought us to a place when he's humbled us to function in reverence and awe of him, yes. And that's what this is saying in, in Proverbs 15 and verse 33. The reverential awe of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And what would bring us to that place of wisdom? Well, Christ is our wisdom, is he not? 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. And before honor is what? Is humility. Before honor is humility. How about involving the body, the local assembly, in your plans? How about because there is a function in a local assembly, there is a proper function in a local assembly. There is. And in that function, it has the benefit of the whole. The benefit of the whole is involved. Don't rob other portions, seriously, of that portion. Boy, I tell you, if if we were gonna go to another place today, boy, I I tell you, whatever day, you know, as much as we could to involve the body of Christ, as much as we could. And there's a proper order in that too. And that's what makes it necessary. There's a proper order. That's why the initiation in in, in a local assembly, that's why they're called evangelists and pastors and teachers. And if you don't believe me, you look at it in the original, if you can. If you want to get a Greek New Testament and study the voice, the, the case, the tense, and the mood, you will see that those leaders are masculine. They're men. They're men that will give you the mind of Christ how to function properly. And women really need that. As men do, of course, but women really need a local assembly to function properly, even with the best intentions, we, even with the best intentions. We need that. We absolutely need that. And not that God would not be faithful and blessed, but let me tell you something. It's always in God's order because he does all things in 1 Corinthians 14, 40. He does them decently and in order. He does openly and honestly, and he does them in order. You see. Now, so before honor is what humility. You will see that in First James two in verse thirty, he that honors me I will honor, but he that lightly esteems me will be lightly esteemed. That's just. Does that mean that God doesn't love it? No, it's just that love has not the experience. <laughs> because of a lack of humility. What ties my proper position to my proper experience? It's called humility. That's what it's called. Why? Because in Proverbs 16 and verse 18, pride goes before destruction. I could still function in ignorance. I could still function in ignorance, but it could lead to pride without instruction. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Notice that? Better is it, in verse 19, to be of a humble spirit with the lowly. Listen, folks, can I, oh, please. And that doesn't mean we don't do certain things. And Listen, please, please. And I'm I'm getting understanding with this as much as anybody here. Please don't think that just because you're in a local assembly, you can't do anything at all. No, that's not what it means. But in your thinking, it always includes the local assembly because you're one with it. Always does. You would never make private plans. Never. Because the, your true family is your spiritual family, by the way. And, and, and with some, they, they are doubly blessed because it happens to be even their natural family. And that's an an amazing thing to me, to have. Better is it to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He that handles a matter wisely will find good, God's good. Christ is the wisdom and the the good is in him. And whoso trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent and the sweetness of the lips increase learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that has it, but the instruction of fools, and who's a fool, one whose source is in himself, that's Proverbs 18, 1 and 2, is he's more interested in expressing his opinions and how he has formed God improperly in 2 Timothy 3, 5, than functioning in Christ. And the sweetness of his lips and increases that knowledge, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth, makes wise his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, really the droppings of the honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of that way is the way of death, the way of the the unsubmitted will, through not having any teaching, again, this is brought out in 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 to 26, because if I don't have proper teaching, I get into the other foolish things, and questions that are are brought in through the enemy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 23. And that becomes those reasonings in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse five that need to be cast down. Because those reasonings, those thoughts become idols. And those idols can be established in strongholds of thinking, and that can take a long time for God to get those to deal with those issues that become very rooted in the experience. A lot of times, in many Christians, through bad teaching or false teaching. And again, if it's bad and it's false, it's just the power of evil working against the power of a proper reckoning and a proper confession. See? And this is a very beautiful thing. Again, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Again, that's Proverbs 14 and verse 12. We can see. So Job, his whole problem, the whole thing with him, the whole thing with the Christian, the whole thing with the Christian that doesn't have proper teaching or that has it and doesn't submit to it, just, we just function in pride. We just do. You know, even the Pharisees, you look at the Pharisees. By the way, again, I wanna make this clear. There's a reason why that, that, you know, Mike and I, and I believe that, that, that God is, you know, just through, and anyone that, that's been around him long enough knows that, that by the pure grace of God, that God's given him the gift of a pastor teacher. But Pat, this is why is not a title. We don't believe in titles. And I'm going to show you why we don't. Because here's what I will base it on. And this is what I base it on, okay? Here is the scriptures, right? So if I base it on the scriptures, it must be God's thought, right? So here we're going to see why we don't believe in titles. And pastor is not a title. It's not like mister. Or doctor. We're going to see why in Christianity, in Christendom, people are considered to be doctorates in terms of theology and scholarship, of which the Holy Spirit himself is the only theologian and scholar, by the way, according to the Scriptures in John 16, 13, and 14, 1st John 2, 20, and 1st John 2, Here's why we don't go by titles. A pastor is a function, a gift that functions properly in submission to the head Christ, and that's brought out in Ephesians 4 and verse 8. Here's why we don't believe in titles. This is why. This is Job chapter 32 and verse 21 and 22. Verse 21, Let me not, I beseech you, Lord, accept any man's person. Neither let me give flattering titles unto men. Notice that? flattering titles unto men, because then they become, in so-called Christianity, which it's just truly really not functioning in a right experience, they become more important than anyone else in the body of Christ who has just as much Christ in them as anyone. Now, the gifts may differ, and the places and function in a local assembly differ, yes. That's why there's no such thing as a woman, pastor, teacher, Never. That's 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 14, 1 Corinthians 14:34. Ever, there's no such thing as that. It's always masculine, It's singular, masculine, singular. That's in the Hebrew that's in the Hebrew, in Jeremiah 3 and verse 15. That's in the Koine Greek, in Ephesians 4 and verse 11. That's why men, that's why women will find their place of security in submission in a local assembly, and in Hebrews 13, 17, obeying and submitting themselves to those guides, and those guides are masculine singular. Masculine singular. Let me not, I let me not, I beseech you, Lord, accept any man's person, neither let me give flattering titles unto men. Here's, here it is in Job 32, verse 22. For I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. In other words, I'd be soon taken away with a man's personality and make him be my authority. That is brought out clearly in Revelations 2, verses 4, right through 7. We allow another authority. That doesn't mean we don't honor and value those that are passive teachers And we should honor one another. We should honor one another and submit to one another in the reverence of Christ in each vessel in Ephesians 5 and verse 21. But there is honor to proper place in a local assembly, and that is 1 Thessalonians 5 12 and 13, to esteem them highly for their work's sake, their labor. And that esteeming goes into certain things that certain Christians don't want to hear about, and one of them is called giving. That's part of the esteeming. As much as we may not do it or may not like to hear it, it's just as much the word of God in submission to it as anything else. And that's also in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. That's why in 1 Timothy 5, 1, we never rebuke an elder, ever, an older person, ever, in a spiritual family, ever. Never do it. That's never our place. We leave the place to do that. When I leave my proper place, I give place to the... I'm, you know, I'm open to the power of evil. Now, for I know not to give flattering titles, for in doing so, my Maker would soon take me away. Did you know? Did you know? With me. And I will, sh- I will show you these scriptures away. And this is a title that Job was giving to himself as a righteous one above, his, above his, his own children. That's what he was doing. Fact of the matter is, there's three places in the word of God where it even brings up doctor. Only three places in all the scriptures. And here they are. I'll read them. This is Luke chapter 2 and verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days, this is Christ, he's 12 years old, He's 12 years old. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors. Notice that? They're called doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Notice that? It's doctors. Now, how do we know who are these doctors? Who are they? Who are these particular doctors? I wonder who they were. Well, well, this is what the Scripture says they are. We'll see this in Acts 5 and verse 34. It says, There stood up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. How do we interpret doctor in the scriptures? They're doctors of the law. has nothing to do with Christ. Titles have nothing to do with Christ. Ever. Never has a thing to do with Christ. Not one single thing. And so, what men do when they think that the righteousness that God gave them, they think they can function with that righteousness apart from Christ, it becomes their own and elevates them into a place that's called pride. Pride, in, in the original languages, in, in, in Koine Greek, and Job, in Job, in, uh, in James four, verse six, is huperaphanos, and huper Phanos means I lift myself up above Christ himself, the Word, the Holy Spirit, and the local assembly, the body of Christ. I lift myself up above and think that I'm going to function, go places and do things apart from the local assembly. When it's ministering, should it be apart from the local assembly? I don't know. The last time I checked, we're all one. We're all one in the scriptures. And so that's what Job was doing. You know, the source of all my personal problems is pride. That's right. I can view pain from God, and let me tell you, if you and I have pain, or suffer, or are afflicted, let me tell you, if we're the dot, and we are, and the moment we receive Christ, he encircled himself around us, and whatsoever touches the dot has to go through the circle. And if there's pain in our life, God has allowed it, just like he had to allow in Job's life, pain, to bring him to a place where he had to constantly rely upon Christ, and not take credit for a single thing, because we'll do that, and and we will listen. The moment that you and I function in the flesh, we elevate ourselves above Christ, above the bar of god above God Himself, above everything. Where did the flesh come from? In Genesis three, one through six, came from our first parents submitting to Satan, who functioned in pride. In Isaiah fourteen. Nine to 17 in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15 that's where it came from we see that crystal crystal clear as about as crystal clear as we could get in the scriptures we see it there the source of all my problems my personal problems. so how do I view pain then how, how do I view it either through the power of evil Or the power, listen to this, of a proper reckoning so that Christ becomes my proper confession. And he'll use pain because we need it. And that pain, in many, many cases, is what? What does it amount to? What does it amount to? What is it? It's God's yoke. It's God's yoke. Again, Bing! The third one is Luke 5, 17. So it's 2, 46. Luke 5 and verse 17 and Acts 5 and verse 34. Only three times in all the scriptures they're called doctor. They take to themselves the title. Nowadays, nowadays you know, those of the legalistic crowd that think they're going to do things to help Jesus do what only he could accomplish in God, they're going to help him. They used to wear phylacteries. Uh, phylacteries, they had these leather glasses with scriptures all on the inside tied. They'd have scriptures on their arm, they'd have it here. They had them all on their long flowing robes for everybody to see and lift them up and to honor them. <laughs> today, those are titles. That's what they are today, titles. Isn't it interesting here? that those doctors of the law, and those were Pharisees, those doctors of the law, look at what Jesus said, and listen, this is you and this is me in the flesh. This is me in the flesh when I don't submit to him. You know, thank God we have a local assembly that we can be accountable and responsible in. Because if I don't have a local assembly, I don't have a consistent place of accountability and responsibility. I just don't. I don't. Don't make plans and then check to see if they're all right. They may be. And they may be God, but gosh, how about, you know, what about the rest of the local assembly? How about that one? This is this is John, the fifth chapter. John, the fifth chapter. You know the Pharisees, the doctors, right? They're a whole... Being under the power of evil, they thought they were doing God's service. They thought they were worshiping God to kill the body of Christ in John 16 and verse 2. They said in unison in John 18, 40, not this man. And furthermore, they said in John 19, verse 15, murder him, crucify him. See that? You know what the place of the flesh is? I don't want Christ, he's not involved. You know, when the law is tolerated, when legalism is tolerated, the flesh has to be tolerated. That's right, flesh is. Is there any order in that? Is there any order in that? None. John, the fifth chapter. John, the fifth chapter. Verse 36. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, which he did in John 17 and verses four and five, which only it was his whole life in 434 of John. That's why in 829 of John and Romans 15, three, he always did those things that please the Father. He's the only one that ever did. What makes us think we can please God, do anything for God outside of God's order, and it's still, Still, the dispensation of grace, the church age, that's made up of local assemblies. The toughest thing to get into, even the most instructed individuals, to those that you love deeply, it's the hardest thing to get involved, get into the proper thinking of individuals. The same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You have, you have neither heard his voice. He's speaking to the doctors of the law. You have neither heard his voice at any time. The reason is because their source was very subjective. It was themselves or what they thought was themselves. This way they, they were just functioning under the power of evil and the pride of ignorance. you have neither heard his voice at any time do we hear his voice at any time when we function in the flesh not and 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 what nor seen his shape and only this is this is literally John 1 and verse 18 this is the son of God no created being no created angel in John 118 has ever seen God in all his fullness unfallen angel none have ever seen God in all his fullness why? Isaiah 57, 15, he inhabits eternity. (laughs) Never seen him in all his fullness. But the Son put on humanity in John 1 and verse 14 and came out and revealed God's one thought, and that's Christ. This is what he said in 538. And you have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent, him you don't believe. Verse 39 Christians, please, Christians, Christians, Christians. Those of you that I know that love God and I know that God loves you, Christians, older men, Christian, older men, Christian, younger men, Christian, older women, Christian, younger women, please hear this. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Look what it says. And he's talking to the doctors of the law. Listen. And you will not come to me. Why? Will wasn't submitted. James 4, 6 and 7. You will not come to me. Where do we come to him to meet him right now in this dispensation of grace, the church age? In a local assembly. Oh, Lord, help us. Oh, Lord, help us you're going to go to a place and you can't come then we'll do our best to come to you we'll do our very best to come to you so that you don't function privately search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life those are the ones that testify of me and you will not come unto me that you might have life why? verse 41 I receive not honor from men I receive it not honor from men We worship God, not men, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 21. We have a reverential awe of Christ and one another and we function in our proper place. When you function in your proper place, you won't give precedence to even another body member to think that they're super special all by themselves. You have the same life. You have the same life that flows. No one's more special. We all operate in a particular place in a local assembly, and even that, even that, even if there's mistakes in a local assembly, even if there's sin, it's still God humbling us and bringing us to a right place to submit to Him. To submit to Him. There's no escape outside the body of Christ, but in the flesh, in a local assembly. That's crystal clear. Crystal clear. And that was Job's, and Job's whole problem was functioning outside that. And we have far more, we have far more than Job ever had. Far more. And and thank God that in his love for us, the only plan that God has for listen to this, listen to this now. For believers that function properly in a local assembly is to be humbled. Because those are the ones that he graces out with experiential reality of a proper position. They're the only ones, folks. They're the only ones. We have visitors coming here. Boy, what I love the whole body to be with them when they come. We have visitors here. And I don't think it should just be one or two people. As much, as much as possible, I think we should include the body of Christ so that they can experience a full blessing from God through each portion in that body as much as we're able to do so. All right? That's what I believe. We have visitors coming here this morning that I would love the body of Christ to surround, to minister to them, to do the best that we can to come together and minister to them the life that Christ has given us and the life that he's given them. And it's a beautiful thing to have. And I thank God. This was God's counsel to me was this morning, Ed, you can't do a single thing. And even the pain that I've given you right now, the pain of all these different things, even in your older age, you know what he's telling me in my older age? In an older age, you even need to be even more humble than when you were young than when you were young, because if not, in your old age, you'll go right back to those youthful lusts in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22, and the greater revelation, manifestation, greater growth, greater experiential word, the greater the necessity to be constantly humbled, and we need each other's portion to do that, we need it.